Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's a Monday. I'm still a little down with the weather, as you can see. Mirza Hashem will get out of this business. Still stuck here at home, isolation. Um, I want to take a look at the parsha. Today's uh, parsha is being uh, sponsored by, uh, not for the first time, by Brett Pevin um, and Teenek. Uh, thank you. I know he's interested. He wrote me about the question of how many kids, why one, th- I don't know if this number is true, but it could be. How come 33% of the day school children? become not from but that's not what i wanted to talk to now about now but uh that's that's a perfectly fair question uh, that's a perfectly fair question but that's not important in the past that's important in the present uh and i would just say that uh brett i think the second or third time he's sponsoring here um is doing some memory of his grandparents let me see what it says sophie and al wiener i'm quoting him he grew up in their in their home it's not an overstatement to say that when I say without my grandmother, I would not have had the chance of remaining among the two-thirds to still be from, two-thirds of the Yeshiva graduates. I would have been a likely candidate for the other one-third. <laughs> okay? So, uh, uh, that's, let me put it this way. That's exactly what it says. Uh, what's the expression? If you're lucky, <laughs> and you have a good family, then your grandparents can help you do the right thing. Not everybody's that lucky. Uh, so I do want to um, pay tribute to their memory, number one, and to thank him for the sponsorship, <coughs> and to uh, cont- and to talk instead in general terms, although a lot of people put ideas in my head over the weekend, because I got a lot of feedback from the um, Chaim Walder business. I wasn't expecting it. And... Uh, Mostly positive, some negative. That's how it goes. Um, in my business, you got to have a thick skin. However, uh, one thing really caught my eye. By the way, a number of people, uh, most of the people, <coughs> Rebecca was very positive, but there's one or two that weren't. And the Iker Yisod that I took from what they said was, he's innocent because procedure wasn't followed. Therefore, he's, you know, he's innocent. Therefore, it's, it's, a, it's a lotion horror and so on and so forth. Uh, I imagine they were following what Rabbi Gershon Edelstein and others said over the weekend. Turns out by now the smoke is cleared. Rabbi Edelstein didn't say what he said. He said, I didn't think he did because I know a little bit. He's not that type at all. The trouble is you have these people with the with the, with the the spinmeisters around them. It's a, And they do they do a disservice when, when they tried their, their spin uh, control. And we know this. <clears throat> we know this. And it's unfortunate. And number two, yeah, it's a, it's a strange thing. You know, when I was young... You had regular gedolim; they weren't as old as they are now. And when they said something, they were talking to themselves. And when I was a kid, Moshe Weinstein had something to say, published in the Safer, or he wrote an article to the go to newspaper, to the to the mortgage journal, to the to the, to the other one, uh, what he called the Algamainer, and so forth. And that, it's him talking. You know, it's, it's not someone else telling you what he said. But it's ironic because that's the kind of against they say you don't know what happened with Chaim Walder because he said, she said, and so forth. 
And um, as as I understand it, the main problem was that you had Kabbalah say the Shalobifnea Baldin, which is true. You understand? Under normal, regular procedure, this is a complicated subject I'm talking about. Under normal procedure, you have to face the accuser. That apparently is not what happened over here. I don't know all the details. <clears throat> but here's my point. By now, I see everybody's mode that the guy was guilty of sin. No, they're not pushing all these procedural things. I saw yesterday, and so did you, still on the line on, with Rabbi Berkowitz. He's a Berkowitz from Eretz Israel. He's a front guy. Uh, you know, uh, with the speech that they put in the bus and knives. I mean, it's a, it's a video. You can watch it yourself. And he's saying, you know, whatever is the part with the procedure, the guy was guilty of sin and guiltier even, sociopaths, they come all kind of names like that. <clears throat> and so the attempt to try to say over here that you're going after an innocent guy is, is um, you know, is, is dissolving as we speak. You understand? It's dissolving as we speak. So all the people are tiny to me say, how do you know this and the other? They're just wrong. You understand? They were wrong before, but I'm just saying, you see the way events proceed. And uh, like Zola said, truth is on the march and nothing can stop it. Truth is on the march and nothing can stop it. It just takes a while, that's all. <laughs> truth marches forward, but not so quickly. Sometimes it takes a little while to get there. But it gets there. It gets there. And uh, and then, you know, the, uh, all the other <coughs> times fall apart. So I thought that that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting, you know, this cover-up business. But... Uh, Somebody wrote me a letter in which they recorded, you know, the speech the rabbi gave or something like that, in, in which he, obviously I'm not going to say any names, and uh, he gave a very firmly kind of approach, which is, they didn't follow the procedure, what are you going to do, change the Agona laws, you need to change the, the, the Aedis laws, and he said, listen, halacha, I'm paraphrasing, halacha involves tragedy sometimes, uh, and Agona is up the creek, as he says, we saturate our pillows, with tears for these hapless women, but the Torah is immutable. You understand? And similarly over here, is our hearts go out to the victims, and I and every single rabbi cry at night over the tragedy and broken lives that come across the doorsteps, but you can't help it because, you know, if you didn't follow procedure, you're not even allowed to talk about uh, Walder or anybody like that. And that really struck me bad, and the reason I say it because it's not even true. This is rhetoric at its worst. I would like to meet a rabbi today, who cries in his pillow over the plate of Anguna, or cries in his pillow. That's from that's what we say in, in Tachnun, but Demasi Arsi Amsa, David Amel was talking about himself. He said he was worried about his own sin, which he's right to. And you and I, when we say Tachnun, we're supposed to think like that. We say, but Demasi Amsa, I'm, I'm worried about my virus, I don't know about you. I got mine. You got yours. You understand? For, you know, charity begins at home. But crying over someone else's plight, that's I, I, that's rhetoric of a cheap kind. I mean, uh, if it was true, it wouldn't help, but I would be impressed. If that, if, you know, if you're talking about a person who says every night, I wet my tears, I wet my pillow, but I wet my pillow with the tears I cry over these unfortunate people. Does this episode something? If somebody mamish was like that, the last guy I heard like that for real. I mean, I've heard stories, and they might be true. Uh, I never heard that Bitsu Khan inspector, but he was that type. I, you know, I'm not saying that he did that, because I don't think he did, but he was, he was that type. You know, we've had people like that once in a while, but it's very rare. The last person I heard really like that, and which brings us to the Parish of the Week, is Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> and the reason I say this is because, you know, we're now in one long story. Shemos Ve'erabo. It's one long story, as we know. At the beginning of last week's Parsha, 
There's a very famous medish that I know I quoted in the past. I have to, because that's the first thing that would come to my mind if I think of Parsha Vera, maybe last year or two years ago. <coughs> and it says, I remember it almost by heart. <coughs> and the medish says, There's sometimes, um, uh, what's the right word? Ha'oshek, in this sense, would be um, domination. Uh, what, you know, beating up on people. Oy, the word escapes me. But taking advantage of, of, of people. A tyranny, that's it. You know, your whole chacham can drive someone crazy. And it said this applies to Moshe, to, to Shlomo Melch and to Moshe Rabbeinu. What's shot? By Shlomo Melch, they say, and I think everybody knows this, that he allowed his um, intellectual genius to make him arrogant, and therefore he thought he could be smarter than the Torah. It turned out in the end, it took him down. <clears throat> it's the first marriage rabbah in Vayera. If you think I'm being flippant, look at it yourself. <laughs> And he was punished, in other words, because he had this attitude. Uh, and then the other one, and the other person in this Pasuk applies is Moshe Rabbeinu. <clears throat> Listen closely. How so? Um, because at the end of Parsha Shmos, when Moshe goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go, and Pharaoh says, A, I'm not going to let them go. B, I'm going to double the bricks and cut the straw and make it harder for them. <clears throat> so Moshe lost it and he said to Hashem, Lo Mariyos, Lo so he screamed at Hashem, and God answered back, um, whatever he said. And the very next line is, And the marriage is going on that Pasig, because the first half of the Pasig and second half of the seem to contradict each other. means, the Vaidaber is Loshan Kosha and Elhim is Loshan Mishpat, Midas Adin. And on the other hand, Vayomer is Loshan Racha and, you know, nice talk. And Hashem, Yudke Vavke, is Mitzrachim. So it sounds like God was talking this way and switched it that way. And the Medrash says something very beautiful. It's almost like a Hasidic Vart. And he said that really Moshe. Lost it and, and made a gigantic mistake. The Hainu. Back at the burning bush, Hashem says, <laughs> I'm telling you up front, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're going to go to Paro. There's a plan here. You're going to be a, a an actor in a play that's already been written. You're going to go to Paro. And he's not going to let you go. Not till Pasha's bow. Okay? So it's not going to happen round one. It's going to take a while. And so on and so forth. So Moshe should not have been surprised when we went to Paro, and, and at the first, it, then Paro didn't just fold, you know. Moshe came in and said, And Paro says, Of course, you know, they can go right now. But that didn't happen. Instead, it got worse. So Hashem is saying like this What's wrong with you? I told you it wouldn't work. Why are you screaming at me? I think that's the words on the Manush. <clears throat> the Midas Adin wanted to strike and kill Moshe for the chutzpah. And the, uh, I don't want to use this word stupidity, but via Abed is Lev Matona, that it, it causes the lave, the mind, to lose its sense. The Pusik and Koalas. So, in other words, Moshe just really like made a terrible mistake. Nevertheless, in the middle, it's a beautiful medrash, and it's like this. Of course, it's kaviyachal. Everything is kaviyachal. Say, "Vaydaber elohim Moshe Hashem." I'm gonna kill you. Eh, I won't. Vayemri lovan the Hashem. Why? 
because he saw the Menashez, Bishul Tsaro Royal, that Moshe couldn't stand seeing emotionally the, the crushing of the babies, the doubling of the bricks, the cutting of the straw, the physical suffering that the people were going under. And so he lost it in the best possible way, meaning he lost it motivated by the best of reasons, which is obviously Israel. It was wrong. And from a strictly philosophical and theological perspective, it was incorrect. And if you're talking about Durbanu Shalom, you're talking about blasphemy, if you want to go that route, you know, if you want to talk in the language of philosophy, blah, 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 then it's wrong and it's outrageous, etc., etc., etc. But it was motivated, it came from a good place. Or at least put it this way, Durbanu Shalom held it, came from a good place. It doesn't matter what you think. The Puzzik tells you what Durbanu Shalom thought. And Durbanu Shalom said like this, uh, by Dabir Kim El Moshe, no, I won't kill him. All right, he's a good guy. Of course, in a typical Jewish way, Hashem's like this. You ain't like Avram Yitzhakov. You know, like we like we tell kids, I knew your puppy, I knew your Zadie. You're not as good as they are, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's an old Jewish. It's the guilt business from way back when. The bunch of them use that also. Let it be. Let it be. But that's somebody who didn't care about the, who cried in his pillow over the misfortune of others. You get it? Because Moshe must have known when he's screaming at Hashem, he's going to get zapped. And he was a smart person. So if you talk back like to Hashem, he must have figured a lightning bolt will come and strike him. But he didn't care. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. Like the Pusik says, Habat el Omo lo yuchal. I remember, and don't ask me why I remember this. Torah na'im me'asas ra, Habat el Omo lo yuchal. Lama sabik bogdim. Machrish Kibala Rasha Tzadik Mimenu. That's from Chavakuk. I don't know why I remember that. And, you know, he couldn't he couldn't stand to see the suffering. You get it? It just, it was not his Metzias. And Hashem must have known this. The reason I say Hashem known this is the story of Moshe Ben, as you and I know, God heavily recruited him. It's a funny story. Especially if you go with the Gemara. It's a funny story. Because he appeared at the burning bush. He said, I want you and Moshe to get somebody else. And I think the Chazal say went over seven days. Now, I want to tell you something. I want you to think about that. Seven days? Seven days? Hashem said, I'll make you another offer. I'll make you another offer. I'll make you another offer. Moshe said, get shlach no Obviously, Hashem said, I want you. Moshe said, like a person does when he doesn't want a job. He says, I'm, I, can get, I can get you somebody better. I'm kvad per, this and that. I can get you somebody better. Hashem said, I want you, 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 you. And he wouldn't take no for an answer. He wouldn't take no for an answer. So Rebunshalm obviously knew Moshe's Midas. And he liked him, including the media that I just described, which is Habit Alomaluch. You can't stand, drives him crazy to see the Eden suffering. Okay? I'm not built that way. I I should be. You too. Should be. We're not built that way. We feel pain and sympathy and so forth, but not like that. Not to the point like this rabbi said. We saturate our pillows, I'm quoting here, for these hapless victims. I don't know anybody who saturates their pillows. It's a it's a, a, a cheap rhetoric. I mean, it's a it's a real turnoff. Now, in this, it goes to show you the meter of Moshe. And that's that's what, what what emerges out of all this, especially in light of current events. You know, he couldn't right or wrong, he couldn't stand to see this happening. So maybe these guys in the different basins, I don't know. Maybe they just couldn't stand to see what's happening, which which I respect. You understand? Which I respect. The 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 specifics of um, 
Kabbalah Seder Shalom B'fnei Basin is complicated. I only remember because I went to it long ago when I wrote up about the note of Yehuda. I remember, don't ask me again why I remember this, but uh, in uh, uh, in Evan Ezer, Madura Kama and Evan Ezer uh, Ein Base, which is the big scandal that happened that time in Brody, there was like a seven-part long chuba, and one of them has to do with the fact that the guy trying to defend the bad people brought up the idea that there was Kabbalah Seder Shalom B'fnei Basin, uh, because the Baldin over there would kill them, you know, was powerful. And uh, the Nodabi himself was arguing against that. In this case, it's okay and so forth. So, like I said before, if you're a pulpit rabbi and you want to speak about this coming week, that's where you go look it up. You get probably the, yeah, that, that's a good lead. Um, I remember this is Maharas Sasson or something like that. Uh, you know, those Charles and Chubas. Whatever, um, with the Nodabi Huda quotes, whatever the case is. <clears throat> But that's not the, the point. Uh, the point is this meetup, you can't stand it. Now I want to tell you something. And this is a big problem. And I don't really want to get into it. And I shouldn't I shouldn't get into it. Not because I'm afraid or anything. Because it's too wide a topic. If you know Jewish history, and this is a problem we have with basins altogether in the last 200 years, um, they never went exactly by Talmudic law. You used to have Kehillahs and things like this, which Kimisakin as, as necessity arose, to fix when the law wasn't working. You get it? Um, long ago, if you look in Drush's Iran, and I know the art scroll now came out with them and all the rest of it, I think it's the one about Pasha Shoftim, if I remember correctly, he talks about the fact <coughs> that the, that the Mishmah Torah doesn't always work. It's got to be under good conditions. There will always be certain types of people. His mom was talking about our villain this week, the um, who, who by definition know how to work the system It'll take advantage of it. You understand? The best law in the world, the law of the Torah, every lawyer in the world can figure loopholes around them, and that's what they do. The minute That may be, I mean, it's one of my theories, why the Torah was never written down. I'm talking about the Torah Shabbat was never meant to be written down, because written down, then automatically the legal, beagle types, the lawyer, underhanded lawyer, will, will learn how to manipulate it, even though that's not what the spirit of the Torah was about. Uh, and that's, so the Torah Shabbat wasn't like that. And, you know, uh, what you would have in those days, thousands of years ago, would you have, I'm just being anachronistic, you'd have a child molester, but nobody will step forward, this, that, and the other. But the Torah Shabbat Pat people would say like this, okay, in this case, you know, we're going to do this and this. Because not let somebody get away with it when we have so much raglan over against it. Um, back in the Talmudic times, they legislated along with the Torah all the time. That's called Rabbonans. And after that, you had... Uh, in Kehillah level, there's tons of books and all these sort of things. Uh, one problem that comes to mind, which many books have been written about, is the problem of it's too easy to get married, too hard to get divorced. And so how make takonas around that, which is a whole rich history in Kali Yisrael of the Kehillah struggling with it. So you can't simply say like this, the Gemara says this, Shulchan Aruch says that, that's the end of the discussion. It's not the end of the discussion. I'm talking about Gedoli Yisrael over here. You know, so I'm talking about uh, but we don't have anything like this nowadays because no Kehillahs. So we have a weird situation that never existed before in Jewish history. We have basins, sort of, meaning groups will set up basins, but they're not backed up by Kehillahs with a whole structure, with the people voting on it, and setting up ancillary legislation to take care of very specific problems that could pop up within that particular Kehillah. We don't have Drabonans, the Rambam tells us, that we all know famously, like in time of the Gemara, because when the Sanhedrin fell apart, then that was the end of that. So nobody can make a Drabonan nowadays, but you can make a local uh, Takonis. You understand? 
and uh, but but not nowadays. So it's very weird. It's one of the problems we have with with, with the basins. But it's, that's a can of worms that take too much to go into, even though it's a very interesting subject. Most people just don't know the history of these sorts of things. You can start if you're interested by looking up the two books that were written a hundred years ago by Simcha Asaf, Bote Din Acher Chasimus Atalman and Haunchen Acher Chasimus Atalman. They give a lot of the classic occurs to that sort of thing. Um, at least it brings up to a hundred years ago. Anyway, whatever. Now, I want to share with you uh, something funny that always strikes me whenever I come to this week, to this parish, parish of Bob. And that is, um, <laughs> you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, as I said before, wasn't just a, a automaton, a robot. Hashem said, do this, and Moshe did that. There's always this Moshe Vart there. He sticks his own personality into it. And what we say is like this, if Hashem said, write it in the Torah, okay. So Hashem is the, is the one who knows. You know, many times you see Hashem says, say this, and Moshe says somewhat differently. It's it's very interesting. Um, at the very end of the parsha, by the way, in Kaddish Likobachor, you know, Hashem says, tell him this, and Moshe says something else. Isn't that right? I don't have the patience to look it up over here, you know. Uh, Hashem says, by Dabra Hashem Moshe Limor, you know, say it every morning after it's filling. Kaddish Likobachor, Petra Bukharev, Bnei Yisrael, Lihu. And what does Moshe do? Zachar Ziyom Hashem, Sheyit Sosim Yitzrayim, Beisadim, Kibachosik Yot, Siyonim Yitzrayim, and so on and so forth. That's not what Hashem told him to say. At least that's not physically the words. Why didn't Moshe simply say like this? I've been told to tell you people the following. Quote, write this down. Unquote. You see? But Moshe did his own thing. And I'll tell you again. If you're some rabbi and developed around, it's one thing. If you're Moshe Rabbein, it's a different story. That's the whole point. Right? Lo kumbi Yisrael kamosha od. It's not only Novi Amabidis Tumunaso, there's a lot more than that also. Right? And one of the cute things is, and you know this already, and that is that, that Moshe loses his temper with Paro. Okay? Moshe loses his temper with Paro. It's a long meta show, and I've done it before. And Paro, by the time it's over, says, Get out of here. Lech me Right? He shamalachal tosa rose ponai. Kibiyam rose ponai tamus. You get out of here. If I, next time I see you, I'll kill you. And Moshe, I guess you are going to kiss my feet. I'll never see you again. Well, wait a minute. That means Pyro lost his temper and Moshe lost his temper. And Moshe stomped out of there and Pyro stomped out of there. But Rabboni Shalom, says to Moshe, wait a minute, I didn't give you permission to do that. Who gave you permission to say, I'll never see you again? Right after that, I got a tenth plague coming. You're not dismissed yet. You can't see Lo Osif Oros Panecha. I got news for you. You got a job to do, right? And therefore, uh, go and tell Pyro. Naom, and so on and so forth. And therefore, Moshe turns around to Pyro and says, Before I leave over here, comes around midnight, around midnight. I'm going to kill all the firstborn. A uh, famous medrash that Rashi quotes, which is, and I, like I said before, I know you learned this. Uh, Rabbi Sinu Darshul, I'm quoting Rashi now. Let me open up the Chumash here. Okay, got it. Rabbi Sinu Darshul, Kama Bachatsi Alay Levam Roshamar Moshe, Kachatsos, why did Moshe make Kachatsos Samachlo, the fun of Lachro? So Hashem is going to appear around midnight. Maybe it'll be five minutes before 12. Maybe it'll be five minutes after 12. Something like that. Like I'm talking now. Around the time of midnight. 
Why didn't Hashem, I mean, why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu say, God is coming at 12 o'clock sharp? Shema Yitu, it's Nagnini, Paro. Because maybe Pharaoh's, um, it's Nagnini over here, I would use the word mathematicians, would say, I mean, I know it means the stargazers, right? the, the guys who keep time. Vayom Moshe Badoihu. They say Moshe is a liar because God didn't come over here. But Hashem says, I'm coming at 12. Don't worry. I'm not worried about the Egyptian that's not needed. <laughs> you, you can rely on me. Now, um, in the past, I remember, I always liked the menish that says, make him dvar avdo, that God backed up Moshe because, you know, he didn't say exactly when it would be. Hashem said, I'm going to bring another nega. Moshe said, it'll be around 12 o'clock at night. Hashem could have told Moshe, who authorized you to tell me when to come? But like a good employee, some of you who are listening to this podcast are businessmen, employers. <clears throat> you know, if you have, if you want to have a good relation with the employee, you 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 tell the guy go and 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 get me this client, and you negotiate the price. And even if he comes back and he says it's not exactly the price that I had in mind, but I stand behind what my client, what my uh, employee said. You know, if I send him out as an agent or something like that to get a, to get a contract or something like that, if that's what he came with, I'll back him up. So Moshe said, Hashem said, fine. Now, I love this. I want you to think about this. This is really true. Moshe, <laughs> is Moshe Abenu saying like this? There might be, it's Tagnini Paro, and if I'm a little bit off, they'll say I was a liar. Let me get this straight now. <laughs> this is too much. Let's say God came five of 12, or even a quarter after 12. Assuming 12 is midnight, even a quarter after 12, even 12.45. And God proceeded to kill every firstborn in Egypt and and smashed up the idols and this and that and the other. Okay? So between 12 and 12.01 is a massive death in Egypt. Right? And so on and so forth. What kind of math and science dork is going to come and say, you, you, you didn't come at 12, you came at 12.45. You came in 1203. Ha, ha, ha. How did I just pull it off to wipe out the whole country in one minute? You understand? It boggles the mind. In in light of the event, if I say, like, I'm dropping an A-bomb on Hiroshima, it's going to be at 12 in the afternoon. And suppose I came a little bit before, a little bit after. Somebody goes, like, you said 12? What kind of a jerk is that? You understand? I mean, I run across these people, sometimes I learn math and science, I'm going to do you said, you know, you forgot the dot to I across the T. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu is worried about. It's, it's a weird to me, you understand? This is what you're worried about? Um, because you missed the time? Fine, I was wrong in the time. But look what Hashem did. Killed every firstborn in one second. It's unbelievable. Mibchor paro kiso hashvi sabor. Right? And, 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 and so on and so forth. The Pharaoh buckled and gave in. I mean, you know, I want you to understand. This was such a, a blow that even Pyro with the hardened heart said, I guess, get out of here. I give in. Right? Surrendered. So it's unbelievable. After all these mockers, finally Pyro gives in. Everybody can see there's one God in the world, you know, and there's a guy in the side <laughs> holding his stopwatch. Okay? And he's like, I guess he's a well, I have atomic clock over here. You started Mincha three seconds early. It's like the old Yaki jokes, you know. Should you start now? No, now. <laughs> right? What is this, Broyers or something? You know, he's, he's worried about all this stuff. It's a weird medrash. Right? It seems to me. And 
I have a nice addition here, so I'm looking at the Sif Seicham on the side, and he and the Sif Seicham says, and it's a quote from the Bein Bechayah, Vim Tomer Haloksi Bechor Hashvi. Uh, no, no, here it is. Here, Vim Tomer Vechi Beshvil Hashotim Sheyita Yishanu Dibur Shalmakam. Because of this, showed him in Egypt, he should change what God told him. God said, Bachat says a liar. Moshe said, Kachat says a liar. So it gives a theological answer. I'm not so uh, enthusiastic about it. I mean, uh, I'm not a judge of the Ben Rechai, but you know, I'm just telling you the way the impression makes of me. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. So, in the midst of the most grand events, Literally of human history. I mean, if you're from Jew, you would say this plus the Maimon Arsene are the two biggies. I mean, would you agree with that statement? The two biggies are uh, you'd see it's from Maimon Arsene. I mean, as far as I know, that's the two biggies. And uh, you know, we see Hashem like like no other time. That's why you have a Pesach Seder, correct? Uh, and here's a guy saying like, well, you know, I don't want it to be called wrong because then the math and science people will be all over me. The only thing I can say in this regard is maybe I'm wrong. I'm not 100% sure how to deal with this. And maybe I'll work it out. But in the end, a lot of Tsaris was caused by these uh, super Yekasha time freaks with the golden calf. Because they all said Moshe was late. And, you know, they freaked out. You get it? They freaked out. So maybe there's something with this time business that Moshe discerned that, you know, you don't want to give Pischen Pab. I can't, I just can't believe it. You see, I can't believe it. That, uh, if it would be five minutes off, or something like that, they see Moshe is a Badoi. Then how did I get all the firstborn dead in one second? You know, how did it happen that the, the Malachamav has jumped over every house? You know, with the, with, with the blood. So if it was a Jewish house, nothing happened. If it was a Gaish house, nothing happened. Even better than that. If it was a guy in a Jewish house, then they killed him. If it was a Jew in a Gaish house, they skipped him. Why? Because I was off for, for 10 minutes? That says he's a badoi? I think I'll leave this with you as a good question. Um, perhaps because they saw Moshe was so punctilious about this business, maybe, 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 this, I'm just leaving, I'm, I'm just playing with the thought. Maybe, 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 that's why they, they, they figured he's a super yakish type when it comes to time. And when he was a minute off, later on, by the Eglazov, they went crazy and they overreacted. You know, it's a Dvar Torah. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's real, it's a Dvar Torah. All I know is, you know, you heard, I'm sure you heard that line. Who, and somebody told me it's not long ago. Uh, it was, the problem was the uh, the time freaks, the Yekisha things. Uh, if it would have been, how's it go now? I forget. If it would have been the Amshinivers, the Lubavitchers, and the, and the Breslivers, we wouldn't have had a problem with the, with the Eagles up. I forget, it's a joke. Uh, whatever it, it escapes me at the moment, but uh, I, I I leave uh, looking at this Rashi, you know, with with great amusement, because uh, what would the Itznak Nina Parov said? <laughs> I mean, uh, it was just a coincidence that at twelve o'clock, or let's say it was twelve fifteen, let's say it was fifteen minutes off, right? At twelve fifteen, everybody all of a sudden died all over the all over the country. Ain't by says Shane Shamais, you understand? Mitzrayim uh, Mekabrim. I mean, give me a break. It's, it's The question is a good question. With that, once again, I want to thank Brad Pevin for sponsoring this.
Wish everybody a good week. I hope by the time I next speak, you all get past this business and have a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.